man. Give me a break. Wide open. The hell are you doing? Welcome into the Section YY8 podcast. It's been a couple weeks, but we're back, and we've got big news, a big episode. It's not like the Manning Manning cast, mega cast, Gavin, but it's pretty close. We're going to have two episodes this week. So this one you're listening to right now, all about football, Music City Bowl, college football. The other one we'll have, which you can listen to if you don't want to listen to anything about football will be about basketball so there was so much going on gavin that we had to split this puppy up you love to see it it's what we're giving the people what they want if you want football and basketball you've come to the right place at least for the tennessee side of things but football gavin went to the music city bowl last thursday you told me this would happen Mm -hmm. it happened again i went to a game and we lost in a fashion I've not seen us lose before. Yeah. And here we are to complain about it once again. Um, how was the experience? How many Tennessee fans were there? Um, did the place erupt? Was it a great atmosphere? Tell me more. Atmosphere was good at Nissan Stadium. We got there, uh, me, Big Montana, Griff, and Walker – Walker's been on the show before. He's our NASCAR analyst, which we'll have him on later for the uh, Daytona 500, which I know Gavin will be looking forward to next month. Skip. But are you, I know you've been waiting on it. The new car's out. I'll um, Just tell me not to show up that day. Okay, deal. Um, so I was looking at the box score, and they announced mm-hmm. this at the game. It was the biggest crowd in Music City Bowl history, Gavin. Yeah. 69,000. Nice. Four, nice. 489. 69, 489. They should have said 420. Yeah, no kidding. Couldn't they subtract a few off of that? I mean, come on. Subtract 69 off of 489. You got 420. Oh, yes. It all comes back together. But uh, mainly a Tennessee crowd. We were on the Purdue side. Um, which was on the side of the camera. So everything you saw on TV during a play, you were looking at the Tennessee sideline. So we were um, in the Tennessee end zone, the orange or whatever that color was, they painted the end zones. We were in that end zone Mm -hmm. um, in the Purdue section, but there were very few Purdue fans in that section. They were more to our left toward the other end zone, and I think they were in the upper deck 
upstairs we couldn't really see but from what i saw early on in the day tailgating walking to the stadium uh on the interstate coming from knoxville it was a huge tennessee crowd i would say i would say 53 55,000 tennessee fans packed into nissan stadium uh, about 90 percent of the people probably yeah Not i would say 90. close to that and vols I mean, travel well Purdue had probably 10, 15,000 fans there, which, you know, that's normally not bad for a bowl game. Uh, I don't know how, what kind of fan base Purdue has. I don't know that they have a very big fan base. They're, a, they're not a big school, but they've had some success athletic in athletics over the years. But um, they had some fans in our section. You know, younger guys, look, either in college, just out of college, mm-hmm. um, they were letting Tennessee fans know they were there and it got everybody in our section, including yours truly really fired up. Now I will say this, they were never derogatory. They never got personal. They just liked to taunt, which is, I kind of liked it. I I mean, I've done the same thing, but boy, I let them have it a couple of times. And there was another guy behind us who was getting a little vulgar um, who was letting them have it. But the highlight of the day I can't remember which touchdown it was. Tennessee went – it was when we were going back and forth there later in the game. This 12-, 13-year-old kid in the section next to us runs down to these guys after we score a touchdown and gets right in these these guys' face, and he is just letting them have it. Like, And they didn't know what to do. I mean, they're not going to hit this little kid, but this kid got in their face. He's pointing at them. His head's bobbing back and forth. He absolutely let him have it. And the entire section just erupted when that kid did that. That guy, that kid was a a legend that day. And it just stunk that we weren't able to pull that win out. And those two dweebs down a few rows in front of us got to go home with the W. Victorious. Sad. And and unfair. Sad and unfair. Um, weather was was okay. A little little chilly. It looks like here temperature at kickoff was fifty seven. It was overcast most of the day. No sun came out. Um, Good tailgate. Yeah, we. It was just us four. Um, there was a lot of all fans around us, but we all had our our own tailgates. But played some cornhole, and um, you know we got there. I think game was at two o'clock central. We got there around eleven thirty ish something like that. So we had a couple hours to hang out before kickoff. But uh, other than the loss, good time in Nashville. Hope we don't go back for a while. I have uh, bigger aspirations than going to the Music City Bowl every couple years. Um, we need to do better. But uh, not going to complain. It's pretty good because, for this team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not going to complain because I did not have us playing in this game at the start of the year. I don't think you did either. No, I uh, I didn't. Um, so did so did you watch the game on Thursday? Oh yeah. So what was your oh yeah. thoughts as it all started playing out? Tennessee jumps out to a twenty-one-seven lead. Purdue fights back, takes the lead. Tennessee gains it back, back and forth. Uh, neither team felt like they needed to play defense. It looked like. What was your thoughts sitting watching the game? I uh, couldn't decide what looked worse, or defense, or the end zones. Um, the end zones kind of looked like what, um, I have seen at Dollywood after someone gets off the teacup, 
um, they vomit everywhere. It looked and like an ele- it looked like an elementary school kid drew in the end zones. I mean, they might as well have. Um, uh, they should have. Um, uh, it was horrible. The Titans didn't even when the Titans did end up playing. They didn't even. It was retro. It felt like they were playing uh, uh, beside Carter High School. Um, it was they just. Did. I was <laughs> I was wondering because I saw on Twitter they were uh, they basically resotted the end zones because they had painted over the Titans logos with that Nashville logo. So they just took the sod out and just resodded the end zone. It was like, why didn't they do it like Notre Dame? Just paint the uh, the dashes through the end zone or yeah. Pittsburgh. They didn't do anything. They just left it blank. It looked really weird for an NFL stadium. Uh, concreted in. Uh, F it. Just put concrete down there. Nobody, um, it, it was horrible. It looked I awful. Don't know, I don't so know dumb. why. I talked to Day Dave all about this after the game, well, I think it was the next day after the game. And I was like, why don't they field turf? Why don't they put field turf in on that stadium? That stadium has a lot of use. The Titans mm-hmm. play there. Tennessee State plays there, I, I think, during the season still. And then they have the bowl game. And it's just got a lot of wear and tear on it. And, and they don't have climate, a soccer team play there too? Yes, that is correct. There's a, And I don't know what time of year they play. I don't think they're playing right now, but they play in the summer. And – this climate this time of year, Bermuda don't grow. I'm assuming that's what kind they, they have on that field. I don't know what type it is, but um, it's hard in this in this climate to keep grass growing in December and January when you're playing on it constantly. And with that amount of, of events, I think they really ought to look at going to field turf. I know the Panthers did it over at Carolina at Bank of America, and that was because they've got a soccer team. And they were just like, the grass can't keep up with it. They're going to tear it apart. And, I mean, the Titans don't play at home this week. They've got the Texans, which we'll Mm -hmm. talk more about here later on. Um, And if they win, they've got a bye. But they're going to host a home playoff game either in two weeks or three weeks from now. So, um, they got a lot of work to do there. The field crew there at Nissan Stadium has got a lot of work to do. I mean, there's only so much you can do at, at, yeah. at some point. Uh, they probably did their best, but their best is not good enough, especially for a bowl game that, I don't know, I, I haven't seen the the numbers on how many people watched, but uh, I'm sure it drew a pretty good crowd. And um, I do know that you had to pay for a ticket to get in, so I felt like the end zones probably should have looked a little better. Um, but I'm not going to complain too much about it. It just reminded me of what I seen at uh, Dollywood after someone uh, post teacup, if you will. It may have been um, after. It may have been like me at Dollywood after the Tennessee Twister. Tennessee Twister got you, got you like that, huh? Man, I was, I was actually, I was dizzy, <laughs> nauseous, you name it. I wasn't feeling it, but. Well, that's about how I felt about watching our defense. Uh, it was horrible. Uh, Alante Taylor, uh, I never knew how much impact he had, but uh, definitely felt that. So um, I have an answer for you for your uh, Music City Bowl TV ratings. And, yes, we did pay, and we paid big time for tickets to this game. It was ridiculous, to be honest. Our tickets, I'll just be up front with you, they were 200 bucks. For, for for a Music City Bowl game, I know we sat in the club level, so those were a little more expensive to begin with. But 
I don't think there should be any ticket in Nissan Stadium that's $200 for a Music City Bowl. If it was a college football playoff, New Year's Six game, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But for the trans-perfect Music City Bowl, no. Now, I paid it, and most Tennessee fans did. There was 69,000 people in there. That bowl racked up this weekend. I guarantee it. Um. TV viewers, according to ESPN's press room, so this could be fake, uh, slanted um, news, but um, the TransPerfect Music City Bowl recorded 5.6 million viewers, the most viewed non-New Year's Six Bowl this season, and the third most viewed non-New Year's Six Bowl game in the past six seasons. The matchup between Tennessee and Purdue was the most watched Music City Bowl since 2010, and the audience peaked with 8.9 million viewers in the final 15 minutes of the game. So a lot of people tuned in. Let's look at another one while we're at it, Gavin, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina, South Carolina. There was about 10,000 people, it looked like, in the stands. Nice. They had an audience of – a net audience of 2.6 million viewers on Thursday, December 30th. And that game started at 11 a.m. Tennessee's game was right after it. Um, another one was the Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin-Arizona State. It had 3.7 million. And it says across Thursday's four bowl games, ESPN averaged 4.9 million view- viewers. So Tennessee had a lot of eyeballs on it. So – New Year's Six Bowls, Chick-fil-A Bowl had 7.6 million, up more than 25% from the past two standalone weekday primetime games, which was the 2020 Cotton Bowl at 26% and the 2019 – or, sorry, 31% for the 2020 Cotton, 26% for the 2019 Orange. The uh, action in Atlanta peaked with 8.7 million viewers the final 10 minutes, so – Tennessee was at 8.9, so beating out the Peach Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl. Oklahoma State, Notre Dame registered 8 million viewers, up 20% from the previous bowl game. The audience peaked with 14.3 million viewers in the final minute. So Notre Dame, national brand, you can see that. The Sugar Bowl, Baylor, Ole Miss averaged 9.8 viewers, peaking early in the game with 13.6 million which i can attest i fell asleep in the fourth quarter what a boring game that was um not a great watch trying to look here because you and i talked about this earlier today the ratings apparently are down again for the playoff games it says here the rose bowl had 16.6 million viewers um cotton ball had 16.6 million Mm-hmm. And the orange had 17.2 million. The cotton and the orange were the uh, playoff games. Uh-huh. Um, what they're not sharing with you is I believe it was down. The two playoff games were down for like the fourth or fifth year in a row. Gavin may have that handy, but um, I believe it's fourth, fourth year in a row. Yeah. And we'll, we can talk about that a little later on when we get into the playoff discussion. But Tennessee is in, not in a, a New Year's Six Bowl, they're not in the playoffs. Almost 9 million people were tuned in at one point 
later on in the game to watch it with an average around 5.6 million, which according to ESPN is the most viewed non new year six ball game this season and the third highest in the past six years. So if our fans could win national championships, we'd have them all over the place. It just shows you're right. It just shows you that we've got a fan base that loves football, obviously, if you look at the ratings for the national championship game or or the big college football games of the week even, mm-hmm. Knoxville's always in the top three or four viewing markets. You've got Birmingham, which is Auburn, Alabama. You've got Knoxville. And then you've got um, – I think Atlanta is always in there. So, I mean, Knoxville is a – as a market in Knox County, there's almost 500,000 people. And we have one of the top – college football view and really just sports in general we're all knoxville's always in the top in sports viewership but you look at college football knoxville's always in the top three or four as far as ratings go and yeah i i was just thinking coming back you know all these people 50 55,000 tennessee fans went went out there and now reading this 5.6 million people across the country watched, 8.9 million at one point. Tennessee's got the fan base. We've got the resources, I believe. We're just waiting on a winner. I mean, we've got everything that Georgia and Alabama has. We just don't win the games they win. We don't win. Besides their coaches. I look at another school, too. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's one that I feel is similar to Tennessee. Now, we're – a little ahead of them as far as if you want to call it rebuilding, but look at their stadium every week. It's mm-hmm. always sold out and they travel well on the road, I think. So it's crazy to me that people still continue. I mean, we can't sell out Neyland stadium. Now Memorial stadium in Nebraska only seats 80, 90,000 and we're putting 80, 90,000 in our stadium every week, but, it's just amazing to me that a program that's been down as long as they have, they continue to sell out games every single week. So that's another one that if they ever got good again, their fans who have been waiting for a long time are going to go crazy, which I think Tennessee's fans will if we ever get back to that point. But it's just will we and when will we? I think at some point we will, but I just keep shooting ourselves in the foot and um, always just don't know when it's going to happen. But I'm telling you, we've got the fan base that will follow this team to Saudi Arabia if we play the game. Um, right. So keep your eye on that as we go forward. And kudos and shout out to Vol, Vol Nation. Um, right. some, of, some of our listeners were out there, Gavin, but they either got lost in downtown Nashville on Broadway or they got lost trying to find the tailgate and they couldn't find us. Oh, that's right. And I don't know. I didn't know how to get them over there. I, I sent them my location. I tried to tell them where I was. It was no use. But if you you know these people, you wouldn't be surprised. Shots, my God. Well, it's not a shot at them. It's just oh. they they would probably they're probably if they're listening, which I think they are. They're probably laughing because they know. That's funny. We're all idiots. Every, even me. Fair enough. I mean, you did go to Nashville to watch us take this L. Yeah, and I look. I said going to the game. I thought Tennessee was going to win. I took us mm-hmm. minus three and a half 
cover. Um, I thought we were better than Purdue. I still think we're better than Purdue. We just played like crap on defense. But after the game, we lost. Obviously, which we'll talk about in a second, the blown call. I'm on the escalator going down to the bottom level to get out of the stadium, and there's a Tennessee fan behind me talking to another Purdue fan. And he says, uh, it's a good game, good game. Uh, good luck next year. He said, well, we always wanted your coach. A lot of us here did at least, except the idiots. I was like, who wanted Jeff Brom as our head coach besides Jimmy Himes? And here not, we are. Not me, but I was so <laughs> mad. It, was, it took every ounce of, in my body not to turn around and tell that guy to, in the words of The Rock, to shut the hell up. Nice. But anyways, on to the game, Gavin. Uh-huh. If you're – if you weren't a fan of Tennessee or Purdue, it was a great game to sit back and watch. No wonder it peaked to 8.9 million. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee loses 48-45, closes out the season 7-6. and six. Controversy reigns at the end of the game. Um, referees are involved. Shocking. Um, Who would have thunk it? I mean, why? what is it with us and referees – I'm not saying uh, he the referee blew the call. You go back and watch the replay, and I know it's in slow-mo, but even – I'm in the stadium, and, and I never even thought that they were going to blow that play dead because I saw Small, I believe it was, reach his hand out to cross the goal line, and I looked at the guys next to us and started high-fiving, touchdown, and then I see uh, out of the corner of my eye the referee running in, waving his hands, stopping the clock i'm like what is he doing he scored Mm -hmm. he's in the end zone why is he not raising his hands for a touchdown and then they announced that forward progress has stopped and my jaw literally hit the ground i didn't know i could not believe that they called that you could tell from section 228 that his momentum hadn't stopped and it just blew my mind that an official would stop that play in that particular point like i I don't Mm -hmm. know what he was thinking um what was your thoughts on the whole fiasco um one I, I don't think we should be in that situation i felt like we should have put the game away a lot earlier and uh i do want to dig at the officials because they were not great but um that was a touchdown and you can't just stop forward progress um you can't just decide oh yeah it's done there like the that doesn't make sense. And th- apparently they didn't even, like, really look at it. So well, what are you doing? Well, that's not a reviewable play. I don't understand what they were looking at on the review part of it. They said the previous plays under further review, but I don't know what they were review. I, I thought when they went to review, I, here's my initial thoughts. I thought they didn't see him cross the goal line. That was what I thought. I was like, well, maybe they didn't see him cross the goal line. Then they said they're going to review it. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I think they're going to see to make sure he crossed the goal line. How, right. why I thought they didn't see it when it was literally right in front of him and, and his whole right arm was across the goal line. Yeah. Didn't make sense. But that's not forward progress in a reviewable play. So I've still yet to see what in the world were they even reviewing. I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows. I don't think they know what they were looking for because they didn't find anything if they were looking for anything. It's just – 
I don't, we shouldn't have been in the situation. Some people say that they would have killed goal there. And I want to punch them in the, in the throat as well, because I think we remember when Butch Jones started to do this against Oklahoma, kicked a field goal on like the three yard line or something like that. Uh, yes. you, you, I still think you go with the, that, um, with the chance to go for it. I just don't know if the play call was good for that purpose of who are personnel on the field at the moment. No, uh, I understand I love- like you fight for it and uh, you try to, you know, just get yourself. We just don't have a short yardage back like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, we- you're right. And that's something we need to address. Tennessee shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. But they right. were, and the referees blew it. But Tennessee should have never been in that spot. How many times did we have a chance to get off the field on on third and fourth downs against Purdue and did, and couldn't do it? How many it times? Fe- it felt like every third down, literally. Many, yeah. I mean, how many times? I mean, I think we were – I'm trying to find it here. I think we were 0 for 3 on fourth down conversions. Sounds right. Well, it says 0 for um, – well, I'm sorry. It says we were 3 of 6. I'm trying to remember. Well, we did convert one. Um, there, the last touchdown or, eight, or the one touchdown where we scored, basically going to end the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tennessee had so many opportunities to put Purdue away, kept letting them hang around. That's what happens when you play teams you're better than or should be better than and you let them hang around. Stuff like this happens. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee has as much blame in this as the referees, but you also got to look at it. Okay, that, all that stuff happened, and here's where we're at. I'm not saying Tennessee wins that game, even if they call that a touchdown. Purdue might score the next time. Probably do. They probably do, but we don't know because it never happened. And all Purdue did was run it three times and kick a field goal. So, um, both teams were perfect in the red zone, by the way. Nice. I mean, that, overtime. yeah, I mean, both teams offensively were, and I don't know, I think it had a lot to do with defense, but mm-hmm. both teams were, I thought, really good offensively. Um, wow. Tennessee, no wonder we lost, Gavin. Tennessee had 666 yards of total offense. Hmm. Nice. Satan. <laughs> Satan was in on this. Well, I mean, we also had 14 penalties. I don't know if we want to start, like, pointing out the things that we did bad because I think there's a lot of them. Uh, yeah, penalty. I mean, Tennessee had a ton of penalties. As like bad as did. we want to trash our defense, they did cause three turnovers. Yeah, Purdue had three turnovers. We um, won the turnover battle and still lost. It's something I didn't think I would get with the hop train. No, it, and it hasn't happened much. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm trying to look. Yeah, it does. As say soon as we red, went up, go ahead. It says Purdue was six of six in the red zone. Tennessee was five of six. I think the um, last one was right. That last one was. So other than that, yes, Tennessee was perfect. Um. Yeah. Penalties. Tennessee had 14 penalties, 128 yards. Purdue had five for 61. Um. Purdue. Offensively, had 627 total yards. They had 534 yards passing. Um, did 
have three interceptions, so that was something good Tennessee. Really should have been another one. Jeremy Banks dropped one that was right in his hands. I, I think there was the two other – yeah, Jeremy Banks definitely dropped one, but I think there was another one as well. There was one early in the first – it may have been the first drive, second drive of the game. And Tennessee really – it would, would have been a fantastic interception. Um, it was a deflected ball in the secondary – and Tennessee just couldn't come up with it. But initially they ruled it an interception and went back and reviewed it, and you can see that it hit the ground. But, yeah, yeah. could have been five interceptions. It's funny how they review that. Let's go. Um, Tennessee, I wanted to talk about Tennessee offensively, which we've done all year long. Tennessee's fantastic offensively. Hendon Hooker, once again, and and I want you to take this – I don't want people to say – People are going to think – I don't know how to even say this. He was 26 of 42, 378 yards, five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I went back and watched the game. Mm-hmm. about clawed my eyes out, but went mm-hmm. back and watched the game. Tennessee had guys so wide open. Hendon Hooker, like, underthrew guys. He didn't hit them in stride a lot. They were having to come back for the ball, but they were so wide open that mm-hmm. it didn't matter. I thought Hendon Hooker, even though he was 26-42, was a little inaccurate. But then he made some fantastic throws as the game went on. But five touchdowns, zero picks. I don't remember one that was really threatened to be intercepted. Um, He also tacked on 19 rushes, 79 yards. So well over 400 yards of total offense. Um, no, it blows my mind that he threw for five touchdowns and close to 400 yards, and I still think he played bad. Yeah, I mean, I hope I'm not the only one. I just felt like he was a, a little – some footballs were behind the receivers, and credit to the receivers. They made some fantastic catches. Um, but he still had a fantastic game. He made a lot of big throws. There's one I remember. I think Tennessee was up 14-7 to in the first quarter, and – I can't remember the receiver. It may have been Tillman. Tillman was so wide open. He could have walked into the end zone, and Hooker underthrew him, and he had to stop, and they they show Hopple on the sidelines, and he's upset because he knows they had a walk-in touchdown. Now, they went on to score that drive anyway, so it didn't matter. But he's got to hit those throws against teams other than Purdue. Uh, you get guys that wide – which he has for the most part all year. I'm not knocking the guy. I'm just – we're nitpicking here a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, yeah. But uh, overall, another outstanding game for Hendon Hooker. Where would this team be without this guy? Sitting at home. We wouldn't be in the Music City Bowl, that's for sure. Probably what we projected, four or five wins. I mean, I had us at I, five. You had us at six. But I think the consensus was five across the board for most people. If you had us winning seven, eight games, you're crazy. And if you go back and look about on it, we've talked about this a bunch. Now, count the Purdue game as one of these games. Tennessee could have won nine or ten games this year. Purdue, Pitt, mm-hmm. that's two right there. Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. So you're talking nine, ten wins from a ten team wins. that was projected to win four or five. Mm-hmm. So it's really – you know, games like this and seasons like this really get, like, what can this coaching staff do? What can this program do once they build things back up? Because they're doing it with kind of patchwork team right now. And it feels like we're losing more 
of the talent that we relied on than we're retaining, especially on the defensive end. Uh, I don't know because we don't have that many coming in. I don't know. I don't know what to expect for next season. I know people are already looking at the schedule and being like, oh, it's an easy schedule. But if we don't have no defense, we ain't going to do nothing. Supposedly we return, and I haven't looked into the depth chart. We can do that for another show. Supposedly we return eight players on both sides of the football next year. Well, uh, Elante Taylor being out um, allowed that that guy to throw for 500 yards. So. Um, yeah, uh, I had one more question about the game. Um, which play was bigger? The t- their tight end touchdown, uh, where he tiptailed on the sideline and scored, or uh, Tennessee offense fumbling before the half, where they turn around and score real quick? Yeah, that's to a good take question. the lead right into the half. Yeah, that that's too big. I'm glad you brought those up. Um, I mean, Purdue was that Purdue drive when the guy we're talking about when they're tied in, caught a pass, mm-hmm. he kind of went toward the sideline and everybody just stopped and he just kept running. Why Tennessee stopped, I don't know. Um, but I think we gave up several penalty yards that drive, maybe two or three pass interference penalties that drive, and then that. So we basically gave them that touchdown, and then we gave him, like you said, that field goal there to end the half. When they, or was it a touchdown? I can't remember. Um, it was a in the goal. half, it was, it was a touchdown to end the half. I'm trying to look up the drive chart. I can't remember. But, yeah. I felt it was like a, a super quick drive. Uh, I feel like there was maybe half of a minute left, like 30 seconds left, and they got the ball and scored and gave us the ball back with yeah. 20 seconds. There um, was uh, 29 seconds left. Tennessee fumbled. And uh, they scored a touchdown, two plays, 28 yards, 10 seconds. Because I feel like if they don't score right there before the half, uh, Tennessee comes out and we score on our first drive of the second half. And that that basically, I mean, that's 28 to 16. Yeah. And they're just trying to play catch up, you yeah. know? No, you're right. You're exactly right. It's great points. Um, but their touchdown to their tight end, it came at a – almost a perfect time. They kind of been, they had a couple of interceptions and then they had to punt. Uh, Then they started the touchdown chain. I mean, we just scored back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to the end of the game. And I would like to criticize Hopple at the very end of the game um, for the, the, uh, was it 56, 58? um, It was a 59 yarder, I believe. Whatever it was, uh, what, why chuck it to the end zone? Um, just that whole, the whole drive, that whole drive just needs to be picked apart. Um, I, yeah, I don't I understand. Didn't, I didn't mind the, um, I didn't mind the one bomb they threw, but the second one, I, I what are we doing here now? I think it was Tillman was also held on one of those plays. So there should oh, yeah. have been a penalty there that wasn't called. Yep. But take that out. What are we doing here? Let's try to get in. That's I, I know it's Hopple's style. I can't imagine that he called two passes to the end zone unless they just knew somebody was going to be wide open. But I'm questioning that myself. And I've 
you know, I'm not questioned Hypo a lot this year because of what he's had to work with. And, right. you know, he's that kind of gave him a pass this year. But that was something I did not understand what they were doing. Maybe it was Hendon Hooker doing that. Maybe they didn't call. And he just saw something. And, and I, I don't know. I really don't know. But um, that was a little head-scratching because – Tennessee could have gotten field goal range. I'm not saying they're going to make the field goal. But closer. Yeah, I mean, closer. Give him a chance. Closer than 56. I mean, my God. Um, my thing about the only reason I'm really upset about this, because on paper, I think we're the better team. Yes. Um, and we just got out coached. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I thought Tennessee left some points out on the field. They left, um, Actually, gave Purdue some stuff. So, um, there at the end of the game, I thought um, Heupel really screwed the pooch on that one. Uh, there was a couple of times where I was pretty upset. Um, I, I got really mad at Hooker during the game. Um, just, I just felt like he, we, we were just stagnant on offense, especially in the second quarter. I don't know what we were doing. It was, we fell in love with the deep ball just in the second quarter and we we're just chucking it. But uh, you got to give a lot of respect to Purdue for coming out and playing, uh, not quitting like most of these schools would have um, because of COVID. Um, um, most of their players opting out, and you could have just bagged it on COVID and not taken the L. But uh, a lot of respect for people actually just showing up. Um, really appreciate that. It was a fun think- game to watch. I think that's the frustrating thing too is Purdue was they're an eight and four team in the Big Ten and they were down their best receiver, their best defensive lineman, their best yeah. offensive lineman, and a couple a few other players that were out because of injury or uh, COVID or whatever it was. And yeah. we still couldn't beat them. And yeah. we had every opportunity in the world um, to do that. And we just we just didn't. I mean, I'm reading here. Uh, some reviews from the game talking about Tennessee's defense. We had – we forced three turnovers. We had three holds in the red zone. And we forced a three and out late in regulation when we really needed it. And we still couldn't win the game. Um, that's how bad Tennessee's was on defense. Uh, we were more undisciplined on both sides of the ball, 14 penalties, 128 yards. And with all that being said, Tennessee still should have won that game, and they didn't. And it's – what I'm looking at is how does this team – I said it before, bowl games, especially these bowl games, don't really mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. But will this leave a bad taste in their mouth? And will they use this as motivation going into spring ball this year, going into next year, saying, hey – we should have been eight and five, not seven and six. We look at the other games. We should have been nine and four, maybe 10 and three. Um, will they use that as motivation? I hope they do um, because I think this program, I'm not expecting Tennessee to go out and, you know, win nine or 10 games next year. I'm not saying that'll happen. It'd be nice. And they're probably going to be favored in eight or nine games. Right. But, um, I think it helped lower programs at that point yet, but can they use this, you know, being right there on the cusp of winning a game 
that they should have won? Will they use it as motivation and a good learning experience going forward? I hope they do um, because they've got some games next year. They need to beat Florida. They need to take advantage of LSU being down next year. Take advantage of these schools being down next year. There's some programs that are going to be down because of coaching turnover and other stuff going on in their programs. They need to build on this season and take advantage of this stuff. We, for so long, don't haven't done that. People have done it to us. And I think it's time Tennessee starts go into these ga- this game at LSU. Go into the game at Pittsburgh next year. Go into the game here at home versus Florida and win those games. I don't know if you've seen that Pitt has gotten like five transfer quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. So that that oh, probably yeah. helps. I mean, they're one, just going to be on fire. Can't one wait. from USC. So, and that's just college football right now. I don't, they produce, or Pitt's going to lose a lot. They had a bunch of those super seniors, super seniors. a senior class. So, uh, I think they're going to have some turnover. So, I mean, we'll see what they look like. I, I think the games that I read Tennessee won't be favored in if the season started right now next year would be at LSU, Georgia, and Alabama. The rest of the games, Tennessee was either a slight favorite or just an overall favorite. Mm-hmm. Of course, you've yeah. got the non-conference games. Um, Pitt, Akron, I think we play. I can't remember. but. Um, Tennessee's going to be favored eight or nine games. Of course, that'll change as the season goes on. But um, I just hope Tennessee can build off of the momentum they've got, especially after the bowl game, seeing that they should have won that. Um, What's coming in? I know we don't have a huge recruiting class coming in, but we got some weapons coming in. There's a wide receiver from Wyoming that's supposed to be on campus this weekend. Yep. Um, I don't know much about him. I'm trying to look him up while I'm talking here, but he's coming in, Isaiah Nayor, N-E-Y-O-R. Um, he's apparently a big play threat for Wyoming. He mm-hmm. is. He's a two-star athlete. Well, according to this, he's a big play threat. So, um, Two-star athlete. He was outside the top 3,000 wide receivers. Says he entered the portal on December 22nd. He's quickly picked up offers from – Texas, San Antonio, Nevada, Utah, Utah State, USC, Baylor, Coastal Carolina, and on top of his Tennessee offer are those schools. So, um, if you're a wide receiver, why wouldn't you want to come here? So, where is he from? Um, he is from Texas. So Baylor. So yeah, he could go to Baylor. Can't wait. We'll see. Uh- um, I think this game helped lower our expectations for next season. Um, probably a good thing because some people are probably thinking we're going to win 10 games. Uh, they're crazy. Um, running backs, uh, I feel like we need to get a short yardage, yardage runner or just find something for a short yard offense. I just I felt like we struggled most of the season with it. They, they relied um, on Hendon Hooker quite a bit in short yard situations, I think. Yeah. Um, Which is not – you don't want to put your quarterback in that spot that much, to be honest. Especially when you have Joe Milton as your backup who can throw it over the mountains. Uh, um, <laughs> by the way, Javari got... Small had a big game. 26 carries, 180 yards. And Wright fought every yard he could. 
No. Um, I had something else. Oh, yeah, Hyatt got a score. Um, that was good yes. to see. Maybe it gives him some confidence heading into next season. He yes. kind of had a downer year this year, so maybe this helps pick him back up. Um, yeah, he wasn't as good this year as I was expect. I thought he might have a breakout year, but Cedric same. Tillman had the breakout year. And he's coming back, so uh, strap it up. Yep. Let's get it. Uh, these guys can coach, but if we don't get any defensive players, I don't see a lot of uh, improvements as far as the win column comes along. Um, Do you think Tennessee will ever, under Josh Heupel, you know we're probably going to be pretty good offensively. Um, do you think Tennessee will ever be good defensively under a coach like Josh Heupel? We had this conversation coming back from from Nashville and then with others on New Year's Day. I don't think Tennessee needs to be elite defensively with Josh Heupel. They just got to find a way to make some stops and keep teams from from gaining 600 yards a game. And that, Go ahead. Sorry. But I was going to say, and, and throwing for over 500 yards. Um, I mean, we got three turnovers this game. Um, we got three turnovers, and I felt like we our defense kept us in the game to be able to win it. Uh, I feel like our offense should have came through. So that leads me to think that is Josh Hoppel going to work? I mean, it's still up in the air. And I, look, I like Josh Hoppel. I like his demeanor. Same. I like what he's done with this team mm-hmm. this year. Yep. Long term, is he a guy that's going to win championships? That's up in the air. I don't know. Oh. Um, I think it really depends on if he evolves him is as a coach to maybe slow things down like right before half uh, to eliminate that fumble. Uh, maybe um, it, it just feels like we're going, always going at 900 miles an hour. And sometimes we just need to be in situational football and slow down the game and let our defense breathe. Sometimes it's okay to run the clock a little bit, you know, I yep. mean, I mean okay. we don't have to be Wisconsin and sit on the ball for 55 minutes of the game, but uh, a play every five seconds is uh, not very good when you're going three and out. Right. No, and that's part of the problem, I think, with the defense, too. We put them in some precarious positions mm-hmm. at different points with, you know, I saw this. Carter High School did the same thing. They'd be three and out. They would do weird things as far as kickoffs and punts. And Hurry up and punt. Yeah, put their defense in in hard, strange positions, and mm-hmm. it makes it tough on them. But yeah. that's not the reason Tennessee's defense struggled Saturday, but right. it certainly doesn't help when your offense goes three and out in 35 seconds. Right. Uh, well, it feels like this game should have been played like uh, the first week of the season, uh, and that would have been fitting. I mean, I would have been ready for the next game, but it's the end of your season, and this is what you have to reflect on for the whole offseason. It leaves a great taste in your mouth. Yep. Um, so, Tennessee football is over, Gavin, for over. the 2021 season. We're going to talk later on in the winter um, going into the spring, kind of look back at the season as, as a whole and look back at what we thought might happen and look back on the wins that we picked up. You know, some of them were fantastic. Kentucky, 
South Carolina, Missouri. Um, back to the mines. Back to the mines. Still our highest rated episode, by the way. And um, we also had some thrilling games against Pittsburgh, against Ole Miss, and, of course, Purdue, which we just talked about. So it was an exciting season. I, I don't know that we thought it was going to be like this at the start of the year, but um, I'm hopeful looking toward next year. Um, I, there's some hope on the horizon. Still a lot of questions, though, mm-hmm. and hopefully some of those questions will be answered as we move into the 2022 season. And it's going to be a big year next year. Tennessee's got some really cool games to go to. I'm going to be traveling all over the place. We're planning on going to Pittsburgh, planning on going to LSU. Tennessee's at South Carolina. I'll probably be there. So um, I'm going to have to need like cheese and crackers for lunch the next few months to save up my money to go on all these, these road games, Gavin. Instead of mustard at South Carolina, you go throw mayo. I wish I had mustard to throw at the stadium. Why didn't Tennessee fans throw stuff when they were mad at the um, at the referees the other day? Uh, I thought that's I, what we did here. Well, apparently, other fan bases can do it and not get sc- scored like uh, these blue check marks like to do on just Tennessee fans for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what it is with the fake news media, but I saw, I think it was David Ubbin <laughs> posted something about it was an Ole Miss fan threw something at a Baylor fan. And he kind of was just like chuckling about it and laughing it off. When he, I mean, he but lived when we here, stuff, it was like, we get hit pieced. Yeah, I mean, we we had hit pieces all over the place on us. Tennessee fans are worse than the Taliban is uh, what what it read, and then he's just chuckling about somebody chucking something at another fan. It's funny. College football playoffs, Gavin. Georgia took took down Michigan, and Alabama mm-hmm. took down um, Cincinnati. Thoughts yep. on the college football playoff. Next Monday is the national championship game, Georgia-Alabama, rematch of the SEC title game. Any thoughts on that? Who's surprised? Uh, number two, did you see Nick Saban's comments about expanding the college football playoff? I did not. He kind of laughed around and was like, you really want more of this? The two games that were in the playoff were both blowouts. You want more blowouts? But I get it from his perspective. It's more games he could lose. I saw somebody talk about it, about expanding to eight or ten or twelve or something like that. I think they need to go to six. And here's my here's my logic: six games, one and two gets a bye. Okay, so they're going to play in the final four anyways. Those first two games could be could be. I'm not saying good games, but they're going to be match matchups between a three and a six, which this year would have been what. Um, was it Georgia and I don't remember. Let me look up the playoff rankings. So you're going to have a three and a six and a four and a five playing in that um, first round. And I apologize. This just hit me out of nowhere. Um, thinking about this. Golly, Gavin, where are the playoff rankings? Here they are. Where's Tennessee so, ranked? So Alabama and Michigan would have a 
Uh, we are NR. Oh. <laughs> not, not on here. All mm. right. So Alabama under my format, Alabama, Michigan would have buys. So they're one and two. Three versus six would be Georgia, Ohio State. Four versus five would be a rematch of a regular season game, which was a great game, Cincinnati-Notre Dame. So I think those two first-round games would be fantastic. Georgia-Ohio State, I think, would be a good game. Ohio State had a good game in the uh, Rose Bowl against Utah. But I think Georgia-Ohio State would be a good game. Cincinnati-Notre Dame would be a good game. You could flip-flop Georgia and Cincinnati or Notre Dame and Ohio State, however you want to do that. And I think you – got some interesting matchups mm-hmm. now would those teams fare very well going into the semifinals probably not as much but i think at least those first round games would be a lot better than what we're seeing right now with one versus four and two versus three which you'd think the two i thought the georgia michigan game would be a lot better i thought georgia would win and cover mm-hmm. but i did not see that coming you'd still get the same result it's alabama versus georgia yeah, I mean, regardless of how you set it up, you're still going to get the same result. I'm just thinking they want viewership. Let's let's play a, a, a third-round game and stop stretching this thing out so much. Play that third-round game before – the first-round game before Christmas. Come back the week after Christmas and play the semis, and then you're still January 10th playing the championship game. Uh. Yeah, but that takes way too much organization. <laughs> and we know the NCAA cannot do that. Uh, it's so bad. Uh, it would have been really funny in your uh, top six because uh, Notre Dame lost their coach to LSU, who is not coaching. Yeah. The coach is not coaching LSU in the bowl game that they're playing in tonight. Would, would they have left if they had a 16 playoff and they made the playoffs? Apparently, it's his. He may it's have. one of his dream jobs. Apparently, he may Weird. have left. Which I mean, I, there was talk of Luke Fickle at Cincinnati possibly leaving and taking another job, and he. I would have went to. I would have went to Notre Dame. Yeah, and I crazy? mean his his name was up with Notre Dame, and yeah, I yeah, don't know. sign me up to play nobody and get into the playoff every year just to get twaxed. Yeah, no kidding. Sign me up. It's the times we live in, Gavin. We can only hope for a playoff that is a little bit better, more competitive, and maybe a little bit bigger. I'm not saying – I think eight is probably too much. The eighth team in the country has no business playing for a national title. They might get hot and get to the semifinal or something, but that's not going to happen. But I don't think the one should be playing an eight in a first-round matchup in at this level of football. It just doesn't – it's in the NFL. Um, Gavin, we're recording this episode on a very special anniversary night. Do you happen That's to right. know what it is? That's right. It is the 23rd anniversary. You can't see it. Gavin's holding up his frame, Knoxville New Sentinel, from January 5th, 1999. But this is January 4th. What is the date on the newspaper, by the way? Is it January, January 5th? 5th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tennessee took down Florida State January 4th, 1999, 23-16 to win the 1998 National Championship in the Fiesta Bowl at Sun Devil Stadium. Also on that night, 
WCW Nitro from the Georgia Dome, rest in peace, took place. Hulk Hogan had been kicked out of the NWO. Kevin Nash was leading the new NWO Wolfpack. Hogan challenged Hall to a match. They got in the ring. Scott, sorry, not Hall, Nash, pokes Hulk Hogan. Hogan pokes Nash in the chest, and he falls down to his back. Nash, Hogan pins Nash, one, two, three, world champion. The finger poke of doom in the Georgia Dome. It turned the tide of the Monday Night Wars because on the same night, now this was recorded the week before, but Mankind wins the WWF title. It's aired on January 4th, but it was recorded the Tuesday before this. Mankind defeats The Rock in a no-disqualification match to win his first ever WWF title. But on WCW Nitro that night, they are announcing that Mankind is going to win the title, and they're making fun of it. But what they did was everybody left watching that show and went to watch Mankind win the WWF title with help from D-Generation X and with help from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin comes in the ring. D-Generation X is battling with the corporation. Kane is guarding Vince McMahon. Austin comes in the ring, pops the rock in the head with a chair. Mankind pins him, and he wins. Great night. I watch that every now and then. The crowd reaction to that win, amazing. But just think about that. 1999. I've got three VCRs going in different rooms of the house. One's What's recording a VCR. The... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I... Yeah, that's how long ago this is. I've got three VCRs going. One's recording the national championship game that Tennessee wins. One's recording Nitro. And one is recording Raw as War. Now I don't know where these tapes are probably somewhere at my parents' house. I don't need them. They're all on line now, so you can watch them whenever, but yeah, I think I had – because my whole f- house was watching the title game. So I had a VCR in my sister's room recording. I had one in my bedroom recording. And then I had a VCR recording the national title game somewhere else. So <laughs> hard to believe that was 23 years ago. Just crazy. So how long was it before we won a championship? Was it 47 years? 47 years. Here's to another 47 before we win another We're going to be like Georgia. They ain't, <laughs> they ain't won since 1980, and we blast them all the time. So, God, I hope they don't win next week. They ain't going to. They have a daddy syndrome. Um, Hopefully so. Uh, nope. One thing I want to say about football, uh, college coaches in general, I think it's BS that uh, Kelly isn't coaching LSU in, his, in the bowl game. He's been there for like a month and a half. Yeah, what's he been doing? Coach the bowl game. What's it's he your been team. Doing? You're getting paid. You're their head coach. Coach the bowl game. Yeah, Take that he... L because you have 38 scholarship players. Take the L and be happy with it. Get that 10 million check and cash it the same way you normally do. Yeah, what's he been doing down there? Besides, these, these coaches leave right after the end of the season and then they don't coach the bowl game if their team is in a bowl game. Makes no sense whatsoever. Coach the bowl game. Have you seen the video of Brian Kelly when he changes his accent? He's a Yankee, and he tries to talk like he's from Louisiana. Yes. 
And then he does that weird dance video with one of the recruits. Just spinning weird. in circles. Uh, that was the end zone right after yeah. that. You end zone, uh, Music City end zone after that. But, uh, man, horrible. That, that I can't get over that field at Nissan Stadium. Horrible. God, I hope it looks better when the Titans host a playoff game. It won't. Speaking of the Titans, number one seed right now heading into the final week. Tighten up. Tighten up. Henry it's- on his way back to reclaim his throne and run amok through the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to try to go to a playoff game. I've never been to any type of a playoff game except the college. You are uh, running up a check going to these venues. Hey, oh, well. And I'm A.B. over here walking out mid-game <laughs> with my shirt off. F it. Um, fancy football. While we're talking about football real quick before we get off here, fancy football news, Mascot Mafia wins – the HMD FFL championship over Big Montana's Knoxville Silverbacks, mm. 94.7 to 70.8. Um, a thrashing. Big, Big Montana lost control of his team. He had a wide receiver, middle of the game, just quit on him, took his clothes off, walked out of the field. Antonio Away Brown. game. Away yeah. game. But he was on the road. The Silverbacks were at the Mafia, even though they, they're like two miles apart. But Antonio Brown um, – he doesn't like Big Montana's coaching style, and he left him. Out to dry. Um, but big win, first ever championship in the HMD FFL for the Mafia, and we'll be back for more next year. All right. Enough football talk, Gavin. One more thing. Oh, he's got one more thing. Let's go. Bye-bye, Big Ben. Oh, yeah. Big Ben's retiring, an emotional send-off last night at Heinz Field. It was pretty. I, I I will have to admit it was a beautiful thing to see. A weird relationship between the fans and Big Ben in that city. Weird, but you love to see it. It makes football great. Uh, and peace, Big Ben. Peace. I love I love watching send offs like that. I mean, Jeter retired, and all those Yankee guys retired. Oh yeah, that were big in the nineties when they all like Mariano Rivera and. Uh, Andy Pettit, um, and I'm not a Yankees fan. Don't get me wrong. I just I thought that was so cool the way they sent those guys out. Lifers, you know, yep. it's just Todd it's just Helton amazing. Was the same way in Colorado, they sent him out the same way. He it's had a amazing. freaking home run his last game. But uh, yeah, that was cool to see him. Maybe he can get another win. I don't think they're out of the playoff picture. I think the Jags have to win. The Jags uh, have to beat the Colts and the and the Steelers win. They're in the playoffs. And it'll be uh, if that happens, it would it would be ninety on Christmas like it was and sm- yeah. snowed to yesterday. Yeah, no kidding. Global warming, Gavin. They tried to yeah. warn us. All right, that's the football edition of the podcast this week. Hope you all enjoyed it. We're going to talk more football as the winter goes along, along with uh, Tennessee basketball. Um, we're going to try to get some guests on to talk football. A lot to talk about with recruiting as it winds down later in January, 1st of February, and then on to the spring game, wherever that's going to be played. It will not be in Neyland Stadium. If you've seen pictures of it, the stadium's a wreck right now. But um, um, we'll see. I don't – One last dig. Uh, which is in a worse shape, Nissan or uh, Neyland? That's a close one. I've seen pictures. I mean, it is the, close. 
I've seen pictures of the field at Neyland Stadium since they've been doing the construction. It's in pretty rough shape, but it looks about the same. <laughs> the paint job looked about the same as, as Nissan Stadium. My God. God. But uh, a lot of football to talk about as we go on, but appreciate everybody listening. If you want to hear the basketball podcast, tune on in to that one. We would appreciate it. If you don't want to listen to it, we forgive you. Um, we know not everybody's a basketball fan, but uh, remember you can find us on Twitter at Section YY8. You can listen to the podcast and go back and listen to any podcast, podbean.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Listen Notes. Be sure to go in there and give us a five-star rating. Five. We know you have five-star hearts and your life champions, but give us a five-star rating and we'll give you a shout-out on there. All right, that's been the football edition of the Section YY8 podcast, bowl game edition. For Gavin, this is Negative Niece. We'll see you next time on the Section YY8 podcast. Wish that I was on a rocky top down in the Tennessee hill. Ain't no smoky smoke